Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Take us, Lord, tonight, Lord. Consume this little meeting, Jesus. We just feel your presence, Lord, and sense your nearness. That's one desire we have tonight is to draw closer to you. Let everything that's said and done be pleasing tonight, edifying, encouraging. As we step into the scriptures and hear your word and hear testimonies, may the congregation be fulfilled, Lord, and satisfied as they drink from your presence. Jesus, we thank you for one another, for this church, for believers of like precious faith. May the atmosphere, the Holy Ghost, make the difference, Lord, as your word is proclaimed in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Can we sing, I keep uh, listening for a different sound? Amen. We want to bring your greetings from Africa tonight, from Ethiopia, from uh, Malawi and South Africa, and uh, bring a lot of love. Uh, from them back to you and I trust you'll receive that and uh, we're going to invite Brother Timothy Andes to come and uh, give uh, a little report with some uh, pictures and slides then we'll go right into the word I think it'll be real edifying for you this goes along right with uh, our title tonight as we're uh, turned to the word after but we've heard the sound of freedom the sound of the word let's sing this mm-hmm. but I keep
listening for that different sound. Call it, come up yonder. That's where we want to be. Amen. We want to bring you greetings from all the saints in Ethiopia and in Malawi. Amen. They, they love Brother Biscoll. He's not here tonight, but they all love him and the ministry here. They're very thankful for the burden of the word of the Lord that's gone forth from this place. And um, you don't really recognize what you have until you go to another country and you see how much thanks they have for our ministry and for even the people that come here and attend here. They know you by name and your faces. So we just want to bring you greetings tonight from Ethiopia and Malawi. We can have that first slide. Brothers, maybe we'll just turn while we're standing uh, to Ephesians chapter 4. The um, services in Malawi, the, the main theme was uh, placing in our position uh, as young people. And so I thought that I would read out of Ephesians 4 and just a little word that the Lord gave me actually a long time ago when Brother Cadre Diggs was here. He placed this little one verse on my Heart, so I hope it would be a blessing. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 27. Neither give place to the devil. Number 28. Let him that stole steal no more, but rather let him labor, working with his hands the things which is good, that he may, ha that he may have to give to him that needeth. Amen? And the devil might have stole from you, and he might have done things in our past, but God is now looking towards our future and wanting us to labor for him. And that was my desire when I came to these, um, this time in my life to go to the, on this trip to Africa. I felt that the Lord wanted just me to be a blessing. I was just the spare tire. My father was the main one that we wanted just to support. So God bless you, and you can have your seats. This is our trip to Africa here, and we went, sorry, just got to get used to this. We went from Seattle to Atlanta, and then we went from Atlanta on the bottom there all the way down to Johannesburg, which was a 15 and a half hour flight. So that one was a real trial and tribulation, but we made it through, and by the grace of God, we made it to Africa eventually. And then we were, um, so first we were in Ethiopia, we flew down to uh, Johannesburg and then flew up to Ethiopia and Addis Ababa and then we went down to Malawi and Lilongwe is where we were the two places so our first place you might recognize the brother here brother Bus Abozi he's the pastor there in Ethiopia of the small group um, he's been a real instrument there in um, being able to uh, work with the brothers and he's traveling a lot from Uganda uh, back and forth so just keep him in your prayers we also got, had the privilege on our first night to go to a little house, um, simple house of the brother right here in the middle. And um, he opened his home and we had a house meeting. And that was our first service in um, Africa and I had to take that service. And it was a real uh, wonderful time with the uh, saints and believers. But on our left, on your left there, um, we have a brother that tr has translated the message in the Seven Church Age book and um, also is working with the other brothers on the right there, and they're translating the message all the time. Um, that's their full-time employment. That's what they do. And these brothers have given up lo being lawyers, teachers. Um, they've, they've forsaken their education, and they're fully committed to this message. And I think that as a young person, if you can just look at that, their value system is totally different. They value this message so much that they're willing to lay aside the things they learn. And I thought that really spoke to me. 
So then this is in the house. This is the first service there. We Just a little tiny group that gathered. It was a wonderful time. This is some of the food that we had. It wasn't too exotic in um, Ethiopia. Um, but when we got later on in the week, it got a little bit more interesting. <laughs> uh, so this is Sister Yodette. Many of you have heard of Sister Yodette. She's a wonderful believer of faith, a sister of prayer. And she really um, has a burden for the people over there. And many of the people have actually come from her testimony and witness. And if you see there, that's her little kitchen there and her little wash area. And they don't have much, but they love the Lord. Amen. Amen. And that's what I got from this trip in Africa, in Ethiopia and in Malawi. So here we are with the saints, the believers, in the first night, just some of them there. And this is some food. Afterwards, we were able to have some food with them, some more traditional foods. Um, Wonderful. Um, The sisters cooked it all for us. And at the end of the service, they had a coffee tradition. Some of the sisters might like this. Um, And they cook coffee. They roast the coffee beans, and then they make the coffee and serve it to everyone around. But the sister has to be able to do that before she can get married. She has to be able to make coffee before she can get married. So it's one of the criteria in their country. So we better start making coffee, sisters, I guess. (laughs) This is a message book that's been translated. And as you can see, the font is very different. The characters are very different. So it takes a lot of work and care from the brothers to do their um, messages in the Tigrinya. I might say this wrong, but the Tigrinya language, Brother Tim? All right, that's um, the, the language that they're working on. And um, several of the brothers, what, what they said is that they try to do one to two messages a month if they can. And if you know how much work it is, some of you have worked on the message hub in the past with me. Just you know how much it takes for us to work on one message and not even doing the translating part. Um, so these brothers are fully dedicated and given over for the work of the Lord, which I believe is so wonderful. This is an English message book from the Message Hub. So they have a Message Hub printer, and they print the message, um, message uh, books off the Message Hub, and they're very thankful for that uh, opportunity to be able to do that um, for the bride there in Ethiopia. So while we were there, um, the Lord just happened to ordain it that there was uh, the brothers were ordaining a pastor, associate pastor, the brother, the brother right here. And then they were also ordaining deacons and trustees. So they have an associate pastor now, um, which helps for the uh, bless and the burden of the word of the Lord. When he's gone in Uganda, he's able to help um, together. And the, all the believers and saints had full confidence. And it was just wonderful to see the body, the little body that they have working together. So this is the service we had there. Two services on the Sunday in a, just a little room there, but God's really blessing them, and I believe that there's more uh, seed in Ethiopia. Then this is Brother Bus Abozi and his um, wife, Sister Rebecca, and they have three little girls. Um, so keep him in your prayers. He's having to sacrifice a lot. I, who he thought he reminded me of was Brother Murphy Wong. He's given so much, and he has to go away from his family months at a time. But uh, God is really using him, and we just pray God continue to lead him. This is another little group uh, before we came that was in a tent-like setting where they were able to fellowship. And here's a little video. This is in the little house meeting with about 20 people. The Lord really came down after the service. 
that service, we spoke on the miraculous vindicates omnipotence. And the Lord supernaturally came down and vindicated his word in that service. And then from there, we went to Malawi, which is where our main stay was for the whole week. And we got to see Brother Pastor Wilton there in the middle with my father on the bottom there. Really happy. Malawi is the happiest, one of the happiest places in Africa, they say. So if you, want, if you ever are feeling low, you might want to go to Malawi because they're very happy. <laughs> and on the other side there is Brother Charles. He's the translator and also a deacon. This is Brother Joshua Valletta. Some of you might know him. He was in Europe for several years. Brother Nathaniel would know him in the Iversons. Um, he has been an instrument of God, a young man that he works in the colleges, but he's also in the ministry. And he's really a blessing for the young people, has a burden for the young people, much like our church. And that's why they have that camp there, the youth camp. This is Brother Joshua, a wonderful brother on fire for the Lord. And it's so good to see that the future generation in Malawi, there's young ministers that are rising up. And so this is our first service in Malawi on Monday. I don't know if you can see it there on the left, but it's a little tiny hut. So a very simple little uh, church, and they have cement blocks as their pews. So I don't think we have anything to complain about. Uh, There was older sisters, young little children sitting on those uh, little pews there, and they're just happy in the Lord. And they have that thatch on the top, the thatch on the top, and they have to change that. Um, every year because of the winds and rains that come through, they have to um, re-put new thatch on every year almost, they said, so that the rains don't um, destroy the building. So it's a lot of work, but it's a little group that the Lord has given that pastor. Here's another video, I believe. No. Oh, sorry. Here we go. This is in that church. Father's trying to sing in the background. Mom with the little baby, praising the Lord. Amen. Wonderful. That was our first service. A real taste of Africa in a little hut church. And then my father went and got to meet the pastor and his wife, and I did the following day. Um, These are some little children that um, were at the house there. He has about 20 people in his family that live with him. Um, And these little children are as happy as can be. The one little boy was seven years old, eight years old, right in the grades that I teach at BCA. And they just loved, they loved me. As soon as they saw me, they were like hugging you. And they're happy, can we get a photo? Can we get a picture? So they just really loved to see uh, us and my father. We got to ride in, most of the time we got to ride in trucks. Um, but most of the people actually, they have to bike and they walk to church. 30 minutes to an hour, they walk to church. So again, we want to be thankful that we have vehicles and appreciate what God's given us. This is the second night, and the pastor and his family, that um, we got to um, go to their church as well. Some of the believers there after the service, as you can see in the background, there's just, it's just bricks. Like, the church is open air, and it's a nice brick building. And in this service, we really um, felt that the people had a freedom in the spirit, and the, it was very easy for my father to, to minister the word, and they pulled very, very well. And... But here again, you see at this church, I don't know if you can see it there, but there's a little hole right here, and that's where they go to the bathroom. So again, we want to appreciate what we have. 
all the, the brothers that have worked in the bathrooms, we thank you yeah, for what you've done. This is another video at that church. So then on Wednesday, we got to go to the main um, church where the main pastor, Brother Wilton, um, is located. And Brother Harold Hillebrandt actually helped build this church um, and gave a lot of time and effort and went there several times. Um, Brother Biscoe also before that had come in 1981, I believe, with Brother Lonnie Jenkins. Um, they had come and ministered there, and uh, many of the ministers still remember when Brother Biscoe came, and they still have his services and listen to um, those services from way back then. So the testimony of, of this church continues on there. Here is inside the church where they have little bench pews there, uh, wooden pews. They're very hard. They're not nice and soft like we have again. So um, it was wonderful, though. They really, they really do love to worship the Lord. This is uh, the main service on Wednesday night that we had. Um, this is the pastor. This is some of the people there. A lot of the times they had sisters on one side and brothers on the other side. Um, that's just how they do it there. Um, so it was interesting, all the brothers on one side and sisters on the other. This is a young, minute, uh, young brother that's a song leader. He's the main song leader of the youth in Malawi, and they all get together, and he coordinates and he's 23 years old. And it was just wonderful to see young people. Oh, we need volume there. This is my dad's favorite song in Malawi. It was known as Brother John's song. to go to Lake Malawi, which is one of the nicer areas and touristy areas. But on the way there, we got to see a lot more of the villages and the, people, the way the people live. And I was telling my class actually today that there were seven and eight-year-olds, and what they would do for their family is catch mice, and they would um, put them on a stick and sell them um, for, for, for their living to be able to feed their family. So um, our young, young children were selling and doing roadside businesses and... Uh, it was really humbling to see that. On Thursday also, we had the opportunity to try sugar cane, which was wonderful. It was very good, naturally, right from the plant. And then this is a bicycle accident that happened. And literally, um, these bikes, they have like 12 feet, 10, 12 feet of white bags that that, br that brother is holding right there. And they'll stack it way high on the back of their bike. And that's the way they transport things, goods, from place to place. It was amazing to see. But here he fell into the ditch. <laughs> 
So this is on our roadway. There's one main highway out to Lake Malawi that we were able to take. So we got to see some of the countryside, like I said, some of the very humble houses that they live in in their little villages. And this is how a lot how they how they actually go is in um, big groups in the back of a truck. Um, they'll jump in the back of a vehicle and they'll just all go. Those huge groups. I don't know how they fit that many people in that back of a truck, but they do. Um, here's some more of the villages. This is a charcoal business. They actually sell the charcoal um, for cooking and things like that. So they bought people buy from there and. Then we, this is Lake Malawi, so as you can see in the background, it's very nice, sandy beaches, nice water. Um, but here's where we got to try some interesting fish. And my father doesn't like seafood, so it was very interesting. Um, but we both did like, we both loved it, and it was very, very good uh, experience. And then on Thursday night, um, we thought we were going to be able to rest and have a nice time in Lake Malawi before the camp. And then they wanted another service. And so that's when we came back and I spoke on Dr. Jesus is here um, on Thursday night in the doctor's home. This is Pastor Edgar's home. This is where we stayed, um, a brother. Um, and we were able to uh, have a wonderful time in the, with, in the Lord. And this is a little video before the service. This is just a little house meeting. But they love the Lord and they walk very far to come to the service. Pastor's trying to figure out his phone. My father was gracious to give him a new phone because his phone was like four or five years old. So he was trying to figure out how to do videos and things like that. Now, this was a really special experience. Um, the brother there, the pastor, Edgar, has a private Christian school, and he wanted to take me there and see it. And um, being a teacher, I had a keen interest. And to see, um, I don't have a lot of pictures because my phone actually got damaged and, and blew up pretty much. Um, so I don't have a lot of pictures of this school, but it really made me thankful of our school that we have here at BCA. Um, it's a very nice facility that the brother has here, um, but very, again, very simple. Um, sorry. And um, as you can see, there's the Brother Branham's um, picture there in the back. That's in his office. It's also in all of the main um, halls in the school, and most of these are not believers that attend this school. And so what they do is on Sunday evenings, they have special meetings, and they are allowed to come, and he preaches the message. So it's kind of a way of witnessing, and it's really uh, inspiration. And um, most of the young people that come there are Muslims, actually, and different um, Christian um, churches that Baptist, uh, Pentecostal is the main one there. So a lot of them, 450 students is what they have so far, so... Um, our school isn't that big. I wish it was, but um, uh, maybe not. But uh, it's, it's, it was wonderful to see um, the, the, them working together with the young people, and they hire a lot of the young um, people that come out of the colleges that are believers to teach. This is some fish on the way back that we got, and we were able to eat that evening. This might help somebody um, if you're looking to get married. Um, this is what someone lives in. It is a boxcar. And Brother Brown talks about the boxcar, and this is what a family uh, lives in, and they had a little bathroom out back. So again, really humble, really simple. Um, it's amazing. 
Um, Friday p.m. was when the um, youth camp started. It was Friday, Saturday, Sunday. And so we were able to help in the songs and the singing. And then this was after the service. My father spoke on a consecration um, call, um, and, and the young people came forward to consecrate themselves to hear the word and what the Lord had for them that weekend. And they really loved the Lord, and the young people really pulled. And then Saturday morning at 6 in the morning, I wondered, Brother Mike, if the young people in our camp would get up at 6 in the morning, but literally they wake up at 5.30 and they are there at 6 o'clock for devotions, morning devotions. And so we had our first morning devotions. I spoke there. And then we have a morning service at 10 o'clock. So it's word, word, word. Amen. So there we were talking on the being clothed in the word. And then my father took the morning um, service on welcome to the birthing room. And that's when four young people um, received the baptism of the Holy Ghost and were baptized. This is the evening service on Saturday, and my father spoke on the first five minutes in heaven and the first five minutes in hell, and the young people there afterwards were marching to the uh, Jerusalem and marching, and I think there's a video later. Then on the Sunday uh, morning, um, we spoke on stewardship, and the young people really enjoyed that one. That one went on, on for supposed to be 45 minutes, but it actually ended up being an hour and a half. And I'll just give one little quick testimony. And um, I gave an example of the talents and how God has given um, different individuals different amounts, but we need to use that for God's glory, right? And the fourth brother, I gave, I gave each of them quachas, which is their money. It wasn't very much. But the fourth brother, I gave him 20 U.S. dollars. And he took that and was very thankful, and he hugged me. He was the only one, and the other three went back to their seats, and they said they went back to their seats and they repented because they, they hadn't said thank you. They weren't appreciating what was given to them. And then I, afterwards, the brother came to me and he said, Brother Tim, I've had a desire to have a Bible. And I'm going to use that $20 to buy a Bible. And I just think, thought of that. This brother is a student. He probably doesn't have any money. He's in debt probably with his student loans. But he's going to use $20 U.S. to buy himself a Bible. Amen. I thought that was a wonderful decision that he made. And Sunday morning, my father took the main service where 600 young um, um, believers from around the area came together and spoke on Malawi. This day, this scripture is fulfilled. And there was a mighty outpouring of the spirit and the, the word came forth in its power and just really was setting things in order for the, for the church. And then Sunday p.m., we took the last service on catching the vision for the young people because that was bringing it in with finding our position and wanting to conduct ourselves in our relationships and in our future, um, whatever that is. And then I gave an example of towards the end, um, as you can see up on the top there, this is a bunch of young ministers, about uh, eight or nine um, locking arms with the pastors and the older ministers showing that we're not going to give up and that we are going to press the battle. And when the devil tries to come in and separate or divide, we're going to stay together. And as a team and a body, we're going to move forward. And after that service, the young people came forward and uh, just had a time of prayer. It was wonderful. This is them praying. This is a little song. They're marching to the New Jerusalem. And the brother there with his backpack is the pastor. Not ashamed. He's got his backpack. He's taking it, taking all he has. And that's his son. He really needs the, 
leads the Lord, and, and he's coming along. So we just praise the Lord. All these young people praising the Lord. The music, was, the music was a little loud on that service, but uh, we had a wonderful time. There were four young people baptized, like I said. This is um, the one on the right is the sister is uh, the pastor's um, daughter-in-law, and they've had to take our granddaughter. And the granddaughter, and they've had to take care of her because her mom died when she was very young, but she has um, stayed with the pastor, and she received the Holy Ghost in these services. And we just thank the Lord for that. And then it was time to say goodbye, but we don't say goodbye. We say until. And uh, Lord willing, if the Lord tarries, I, I want to go back again. It's a wonderful experience. And on the way back, we had a special time. Many of you recognize this pastor, Brother Gideon Retief. Um, wonderful brother. We had a wonderful time of fellowship. And this young brother, Brother David, is a new brother in the ministry. So we were able to fellowship together, strengthen one another, and encourage one another in the Lord. And to see brothers in South Africa serving the Lord amidst all the turmoil that's going on politically, um, it's just wonderful to see. So we thank you all for your love and your prayers. And we uh, just really appreciate all that um, you've all done. And you mean a lot to me and my family and my dad, and we just really appreciate, and we ask that the Lord would be with you, and just keep shining your light and your testimony. Amen. God bless you. Glory to God. Thank you, Jesus. And we thank the Lord. Let's stand to our feet tonight, and we thank you for these testimonies and part of your hearts. We can share with... uh, Many of you can't go to these places, but when we do, we take you with us. We've come tonight for the word. And um, so if we can just turn to Revelations chapter 8 together. Thank you, Brother Timothy, for that wonderful report. We were in Malawi 27 years ago in 1991 when I was 18 years old. So it was like going back to our roots again. And it's true, uh, from these experiences, it's like you can never be the same again. So we pray the Lord will bring us back home uh, with fire in our hearts. We want to remember Brother uh, Murphy Wong that's uh, in Connecticut and Rhode Island this week, and he'll be joining Brother uh, Tim uh, Friday in Boston. They'll be in Boston Saturday and Sunday. Can we be remembering them? And that the work of the Lord will just continue as it continues to go out from this little assembly. And that the Lord would just have his way. Let's bow our heads tonight as we have these moments now to share his word. Our dear Heavenly Father, we thank you that we can step into the book of Acts. As we saw in Ethiopia and then in Malawi, there's a bride of Christ that's marching forward. And we have the same heartbeat. We serve the same God. We believe the same message. Tonight we've gathered in this room. School started again already. And our children have come with their families. I pray, Father, as you would now open the scriptures to us, that your presence would come one more time. Feed our souls, Jesus. Lord, come among us in a special way. We hear of these different places and the believers I think half or three-quarter of them didn't even have a Bible. When we'd asked to turn to the Scripture, most of them didn't even have a Bible. Lord, we are aware of how much we've been given, how much you require of us here in North America.
But Lord, we're not in Africa. We're not in China or Philippines tonight. We're right here in Cloverdale. You've been faithful to us. You've been good to us, Jesus. We want to give you praises and give you glory. Being a good shepherd, Lord, and you've drawn us from around the world, this little assembly from the east and the west, to be a family. Tonight, we want to rejoice in that, Father. Tell our children of it and our grandchildren that our God is alive. He's present among us, Jesus. And we pray in these last few minutes of this service that you come now in the opening of your word and give us strength and leadership. May your presence come into this little place as you have so many times before. May our hearts be set aflame. In Jesus Christ's name, amen. Revelations chapter 8, verse 1. Just one verse of scripture. Maybe we could read it out loud together. And when he had opened the seventh seal, there was silence in heaven about the space of half an hour. This is the seventh seal. And when he had opened the seventh seal, there was silence in heaven about the space of half an hour. Amen. God bless you. You can have your seats. This is our first time to speak since camp. And um, we want to thank the Lord for what he did in our assembly through camp time. I know that's been a month ago, and there's been a lot of traveling. Brother Tom's already been to Congo, and we've been to Africa, and Brother Tim's been to Grand Prairie and leaving again, our pastors away also. There's just a lot of work that the Lord's doing through your lives. But just um, after summer camp, it was actually the, um, the last time I was at home, uh, spent the night at my home before going to Africa. Just in the uh, early morning before we woke up, um, there was a dream that came to our hearts, and it was actually this sermon title, what we're speaking on tonight, and the inspiration, a scripture uh, that we read, our opening scripture in Revelations 8. I want to speak tonight on the sound of freedom. And just as we woke up, I was thinking of camp, Brother Michael, and I was thinking of what God had done throughout our camp. We were just going to Africa, and it just seems like the inspiration uh, was coming of the different sounds of freedom that are happening in the believers' lives. Then when we went to Africa, and I didn't speak on this subject there. I, I felt it was for coming back home and for our own assembly. So I, went, I had went to the office, my office, and wrote down the sermon title, The Sound of Freedom. And, and, and then the scripture of Revelations 8.1, uh, when Brother Branham read the scripture, uh, when he had opened the seventh seal, there was silence in heaven about the space of an half an hour. You know, to the world, it's all a mystery. Even this silence is to the world. They don't know of the coming of the Lord. But to the elect and to the bride, this message is ringing out with victories. And I'm not just speaking about 1,100 services or 1,200 of Brother Branham. It's the inspiration was coming because we were coming after camp and coming into these spiritual moments in our own assembly that there's a sound of freedom that has happened among us. And it's the sound of joy. It's the sound of gratitude. 
It's the sound of restoration. And as I just was meditating on that inspiration, it's also the sound of power. As Brother Branham talked about these uh, things and how it's the power of God that is going to restore the bride back to our position. In uh, Psalms chapter 83, we're not going to have time to turn to these scriptures, but David said in Psalms 83:1, Keep not thou silence, O God. Hold not thy peace, and be not still, O God. It was the heart of a, of a man of God that had a burden, and many of you and us, to keep not thou silence, O God. Hold not thy peace, and be not still, O God. And then Isaiah, in Isaiah 62, 6, said, I have set watchmen upon the walls, O Jerusalem, which shall never hold their peace day nor night. Ye that make mention of the Lord, keep not silence. So Isaiah was speaking about watchmen or ministry that's up on the walls of Jerusalem that will never hold their peace day or night. And I pray that the fivefold ministry, would, it wouldn't lessen and lessen, but that the Holy Spirit would keep sounding out his voice and that they would not hold their peace day nor night, but God would continue. I'm speaking about in our own assembly as this sound of freedom keeps echoing through the corridors of our hearts and for our families. Lord, may they not hold their peace day nor night. But to you and I that make mention of the Lord in our prayers, keep not silent. So to the world, it was silent. To the world, it wasn't a public show. To the world, the opening of the seventh seal, or uh, to the world, it was silence. But to the bride, there was a message that was thundering out. And then Ecclesiastes 3, 7, a real familiar scripture. The Bible says a time to rend and a time to sow. A time to keep silence and a time to speak. There's a time to be silent. There's a time to be hushing. There's a time to be waiting on God. There's a time to be groaning. There's a time to be travailing. But then there's a time to speak. And I believe that's where we're at. And as we come through camp services, I'm taking now the whole month and then the month that we were away. And I've heard all the services of Brother, uh, Brother Tom Ray coming back home from Africa, uh, Brother Tim Dodd, uh, Brother Ken Andes that spoke, and Brother Michael Ray and the local ministry that's among us. And I was thinking about this inspiration of the sound of freedom and that there is no more a silence for the bride of Christ. But under this seventh seal, under this seventh seal message that we have heard, God has given us a message, not just to hear, but a message to act out. In, in communion, uh, and I'm aware of our time tonight, so I'm just trying to be as, as punctual as possible. Brother Branham's last recorded service is communion in 1965 in December the 12th, just 12 days before uh, the accident there as he came through Texas. These are his last words to the body of Christ. He said, you know, the hour will soon arise when right among us, the Holy Spirit will speak out like it did in Ananias and Sapphira. Remember that hour is arriving. He said, just remember that God is going to dwell among his people, and that's what he wants to do now. 
Brother Branham speaking about the Holy Spirit in the apostles and in the body of Christ. I just looked up Ananias and Sapphira just driving to church actually. And Ananias and Sapphira, remember they lied to the Holy Spirit. But it wasn't to the prophet of the age. It was to Peter. So it wasn't just the prophet, but it was now the body of Christ. God was now in the ministry, in the body. And Brother Bradham's triggering that in his last words uh, to us, that that's what God is going to dwell among his people, and that's what he wants to do now. He said, we can receive the message. And if I was a young man and hunting for a wife, and if I could find a wife, she's perfect, She's a Christian. She's a lady. She's all of this. And I've got confidence. But no matter how much confidence and how much I think she's nice, I've got to receive her and she's got to receive me upon those vows. Then he's bringing it spiritual. Remember, this is his last words. He's typing it to the natural relationship. It's the same thing we find in the message. We see it right. We see God vindicates it right. It's perfectly right. Year after year, year after year, it continues right. It continues right on. I don't want you to be thinking back to 65, but 2018. It's continued just right. And even after camp and after hearing the messages that have even come across this pulpit, it's a sound of freedom. It's a declaration of joy. It ought to be for us. And when we hear the messages, it gives us inspiration. And we need to move out under those pulsations. That's the Holy Spirit that has never failed you and I. He's going to be faithful to take us in the rapture. And Brother Branham is bringing this into the message. Year after year, it continues right. Everything it says, it just happens just exactly the way he said. And we know it's right. But don't do it from an intellectual standpoint. If you do, you've got a second-handed religion. He said, we don't want a second-handed religion. Something that somebody else has experienced it, and we are living off of their testimony. Friends, it's very dangerous. Locally and around the world, where people have lived under the inspiration of great men of God. They've actually lived under the, the, the aura and the atmosphere of the Holy Ghost in great testimonies. And we see as the years have gone by a falling away and a loosening and a rejecting of the word. It's because they had a second-handed religion. And in Brother Branham's last, some of his last recorded words to this generation, he said, we don't do it from an intellectual standpoint. If you do, you've got a second-handed religion. We don't want a second-handed religion. And I think when the bride hears that, we say, I don't want a second-handed religion. I don't want it just because another person or even a man of God or another sister had a testimony where I live off that testimony. No, it has to be personal. Brother Branham said somebody, that, somebody else had experienced it and were living off of their testimony. I believe there's a real groaning for individuals to have their own testimony. Amen. Amen. It's the sound of freedom for yourself. Now in Revelation chapter 8 verse 1, when we read our opening scripture, when he had opened the seventh seal, 
there was silence in heaven about the space of half an hour. Now, on the, on the Saturday night in Jeffersonville, when Brother Brown was speaking, the opening of the seven seals, and he's just coming into the sixth seal on the Saturday night. I just need to give you a couple quotes as he speaks about this half hour of silence. And he's speaking about the, uh, under the sixth age, uh, the sixth seal, excuse me, how the martyrs were under tribulation and the 144,000. Then he talks about entering in between the sixth and the seventh seal. But the seventh seal, he said, is just one thing. And it was silence in heaven for the space of half an hour. If only God could reveal that. But it's not even symbolized, he said, nowhere. He said, that's tomorrow night. Pray for me. Then he said, Jesus omitted the teaching of the seventh seal. It's not here. And he goes on to speak about how he spoke in parables. And John omitted the seventh seal. But that's going to be a great thing. It's not even written. They omitted the seventh seal. Both of them did. And, and he said, John said there was just silence in heaven. And Jesus never said a word about it. And then Sunday morning, he comes to questions and answers on the seals. This is in Jeffersonville, March 63. And he said, do you notice how perfectly they parallel? Don't forget that. When the opening of the seals that come down to the sixth and it stops, just silence in heaven. That's all that it says for the space of half an hour. Then in the Sunday night service, in the seventh seal, he's speaking again about Jesus and how that he, he didn't speak about these things, only in parables, but he omitted the seventh. And he said, when the seals were opened, he said, God, notice here, he omitted revealing even any symbol of the seventh. It's a perfect secret with God. Then he reads Revelations 8, chapter 8, verse 1 that we read. And when he had opened the seventh seal, there was silence in heaven about the space of half an hour. That's all we have on it. Then he says later, just notice this as I just climax on our opening scripture. The four and twenty elders stood before God there and they're harping. They stopped harping. They quit harping, uh, playing their harps. And the angels hushed their singing in heaven. Think about it. Think about it. The holy cherubims and seraphims that Isaiah saw in the temple with three sets of wings, two over his face, two over his feet, and flying day and night there before God, saying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. And when they walked in and come to the temple, even the post of the temple moved with their presence. And these holy seraphims hushed up. Angels quit singing. Flying in the presence of God, singing holy, holy, holy. And he said they shut up for the space of half an hour. And Brother Brenham talked about that. He said, now half hour might not seem like a long time if you're having a good time. But when it's all silence. Then he goes on to say, no angel singing, no praises, no altar service, no nothing. There was silence and a hush and a deadly silence in heaven for a half an hour. All the host of heaven was silent for this half hour when this seventh seal mystery in the book of redemption was broke open. Think of it. Then he said, but it's broke. The lamb breaks it. He says, you know what? They were awed by it. I believe they were awed by it. They didn't know and they just stopped. What is it? Then just four months later, 
and Christ is the mystery of God revealed. Brother Branham said, God's great mystery, it's a secret. He kept it a secret. Nobody know nothing about it. Not even the angels could understand it. He didn't reveal it. But that's the reason under the seventh mystery, when the seventh seal was open, there was silence. And he speaks about Jesus not speaking about it. Even the son himself didn't know when it's going to happen. God has all of that to himself. It's a secret. And that's the reason there was silence in heaven for space of half an hour. And seven thunders uttered their voices. John was even forbidden to write it. It was the coming of the Lord. And that's one thing he hasn't revealed yet. As is of how he will come and when he will come. But it's a good thing that he doesn't. To the world it's a mystery. But to the bride, God has revealed his coming to the elect. Now, whenever you travel and these brothers uh, know there's always people that want to say dates and times and say it's coming in a certain hour. There's no man that knows the day nor the hour. But when the Bible says he'll come as a thief in the night, a thief comes in the night to catch those unawares. But to the bride, the coming of the Lord will not be as a thief in the night. We're with our husband. There's been lovemaking. There's been a sound of freedom. And none of us know the day nor hour, but it's not a season of silence no more for us. There's a lot of action and words. And there's a sound of freedom that echoes through the body of Christ. If we had longer to, to speak on some of these things, it might settle down into our hearts. But just a few months later, in November, in souls that are in prison now, after Christ is the mystery, Brother Branham said, when the Lamb took his book and the seventh seal was just ready to be opened, and then he said the sixth seal, remember he hid the seventh seal from us. He wouldn't do it. And when the angel stood day by day telling it, then he wouldn't do it on that one. Said there's silence in heaven. No one knew it was the coming of the Lord. And the world is going to be caught off guard one day, but the bride is going to be ready to go. When we think, I'm just moving on now and to keep with our thought of the sound of freedom. Because a lot of people think that might not be nothing happening in your life when there can be a lot of things happening. I know we're just starting school and sometimes it can get into a schedule and people get into a routine. Sometimes people might even look through camp or even in the last month or two of your life and say, well, it doesn't seem like a lot of things happening. But none of us have ever heard the sunrise. But it's a great thing. It rises in silence. It comes up every morning. It's a powerful force. But do you agree? There's none of us have never heard the sunrise, but it's a mighty sound and a movement all over this earth. So it's silence to one, but yet there's a lot of sound and activity going on earth because of the rising of the sun. None of us have ever heard the sound of millions of tons of dew rising in the morning when the sun comes up and the dew rises up off this earth, millions of gallons of, of dew is coming off, but it's in silence. So many times there can be great things happening in your life, and it seems like a season of silence. It seems like there's not a lot happening, 
But in the midst of all of that is the sound of maturity. It's the sound of the word. Praise be to God. A plant grows. Grass grows. Trees grow. And you never hear the sound of it. Every day they're drinking and pushing out. It's the sound of freedom. It's the sound of nature. Brothers, can you just bring up that slide, brother? Frey, I want to show something that happened. Actually, it was during our summer camp. This was happening. I thought that you might appreciate this. It might make this uh, point a little bit more real. Right during our summer family camp and into August, there was something amazing that was taking place just off the coast of Vancouver Island. Some of you might have heard about this near Victoria. There was a mother orca killer whale that birthed a, a baby orca. Actually, her name is J35Pod. And this little baby was born on July the 24th. And for 17 days, this baby died within the first hour of being born. But for 17 days and over 1,000 miles, that's 1,600 kilometers, this mother killer whale pushed its baby It was born, but it died, and for 17 days, this mother pushed her dead calf along the surface of the water, arching her back and clutching the tail of her little baby calf in her mouth. It was like through nature, and I was thinking about this, the love of God in a mother, because this was born after three years and in this certain pod to have life and to have something happen is very unusual and for it to die in the first hour. But for 17 days, all through our camp time, this mother orca whale pushed its little baby to the top. It was like a strong desire in this mother as it mourned its baby's death. It was wanting her baby to live fighting for life, fighting to push it to the top. And I thought, my, if the love of a a mother, an orca whale for its child could have that kind of burden, what about the love of God for a believer? That when there's a birth or when there's life that's happening, it keeps pushing it to the top. You can live, you can swim, you can be alive for over two weeks. This mother pushed its baby throughout the whole uh, sound here near Victoria and Vancouver Island. Can you imagine all the time we were at camp uh, and going through those spiritual times? Naturally, God was showing a love of a mother for a little baby. And I pray that's the love of God for any of us that will not let go of us. Even scientists said the length of time that it was uh, going through this, expressing her grief, was unprecedented. And I thought of Brother Branham talking about the love of a, of a mother and how deep that it goes. Surely it speaks of the love of God for us. That when something seems lifeless or, or dead, that it keeps pushing it to the top and trying to encourage us. I don't believe the bride is dead. I don't believe we're the sickest body in the face of the earth. I believe there's been a sound of freedom that's echoed from the old generation into the new generation. And I know we only have a few minutes, but this is very much in our hearts. That as leaves are even changing this time of the year, that there is leaves changing on, on the trees, but yet you never hear it. 
but it can happen in a whole congregation or in a whole swath of trees where I was just with my family last evening looking down the Blaine uh, Street there enjoying the sunset and you can just see all the leaves that are changed. I thought, look at all the leaves, how they've changed. Yet you've never heard the sound of the change. And it's amazing how that a plant can grow, grass can grow, trees can grow, and you never hear the sound of it. You would say it's in silence, but there's a lot happening. And I want to say in our lives, thank you brothers, that it seems like many times so it is the word of God as believers. We can go for a season of time and it seems like nothing great or wonderful is happening. But then we find God is doing something spectacular in his word by the Holy Spirit. There's a time for groaning. There's a time for travail. There's a time Brother Branham preached on birth pains. We mentioned this in Malawi. There was a time when he was reading, trying to read his opening scripture in birth pains. How many remember that? And the pagers were stuck together. And the Catholic priest gave him his Bible and he handed it back. And Brother Branham went on to preach a whole message on birth pains. He didn't know what was happening right at the pulpit. The scripture was being fulfilled. It was only later after that when his family was getting a little sandwich that the Lord spoke to him and said, turn to Luke in the Bible. And it happened exactly to Jesus. He was handed the scroll. Do you remember that? And he spoke about the ministry and the anointing of God being upon him to set the captives free and open the blinded eyes. And he gave it back to the priest. And he sat down. And words begin to come out of his mouth. And I, and I mentioned to the people there that Brother Branham was speaking a whole sermon on birth pains and didn't know it until later exactly what was happening. And the next night he comes back and speaks, this day the scripture is fulfilled. But the bride of Christ, you and I, have the opportunity right while it's happening, right while the word is opening up, you're catching it. It's the sound of freedom. It's like the Holy Spirit stopping even our children, even our young people, and they're catching things. You say, oh, there's not a lot happening, or it seems like there's a lot of silence. No, no, there's a time for, for begging and waiting and crying and groaning. Then there's a time when the child is birthed and begins to shout out. Let's turn to Joshua chapter 6. There's a sound of freedom in the air. There's a sound of rapture in the air. I pray the watchmen on the walls would never hold their peace, day nor night. Even long after this service, even long after camp, even long after these brothers come from these meetings or go to certain places, long after Sunday services or Wednesday night meetings, that there would be an echo of the Holy Spirit in our hearts as believers. The sound of healing is among us. Just capture this inspiration as you hear it. In Joshua chapter 6, we find they had come to Jericho, their first city in the promised land. We're staying with our thought of the sound of freedom and no more silence. Because there was a time of silence we see in Joshua 6.10. 
Joshua had commanded the people saying, ye shall not shout, nor make any noise with your voice. Neither shall any word proceed out of your mouth until the day I bid you shout. Then shall you shout. So there was a time of silence. There was a time of hush. There was a time when people really didn't know why. They didn't understand what was going on, whether you were a believer or whether you would have been in Jericho watching all this silence going on. You'd say for six ages, even to the seventh age, if you skip down to verse 15. And it came to pass on the seventh day that they rose early about the dawning of the day and compassed the city after the same manner seven times. Do you remember what manner it was? Silence. Shh. No words. No joking. No praises. No altar calls. It just seems like a lot of marching. Why are we doing this? Why are we going through this? For some, it seems like a lot of mechanics. I'm sure there would have been people saying, what is all this for? It's bypassing their intellect. That's good. It's the very first victory of the promised land. God was taking it beyond all their intellect. And now it's down to the seventh day and they compassed the city around and around and around. Only on that day, they compassed the city seven times. And verse 16 says, it came to pass at the seventh time when the priest blew with the trumpets that Joshua said unto the people, shout, for the Lord hath given you the city. Can we say praise the Lord tonight? There was a time to be silent. There was a time to march. There was a time for silence. But then there was a time to shout. And that's the time we're living in now. Why cry but speak and go forward? The sound of freedom is not an uncertain sound. Brother Branham preached that at least seven times. I I looked it up today in the message at least seven times. Brother Branham preached the uncertain sound, an uncertain sound. Till finally in 1963, he preached it. The trumpet gives an uncertain sound. I'm thankful we heard a certain sound. Praise God. It was a sound of freedom. I I listened today to Sister Yodette's testimony from Ethiopia. It's on the website. You can hear it. And I watched her even today as we've just been with her a few weeks ago. What a wonderful sister. What a wonderful queen of Ethiopia. When I shook her hand, I I called her the queen of Ethiopia. What a testimony that God can take someone right off the streets and worldly. As as Brother Tim was interviewing her a few uh, months ago and speaking about her life. And now she's married. And now her husband's taking a position in the church and song leading and translating the message. I would say, what a sound. What a sound of freedom. And even when Brother Buss and his dear wife met them on their honeymoon, these people are sold out to God. As Brother uh, Timothy gave the testimony, the young man that is a full-time translator, he was in university to be an engineer. And anybody knows in Africa that the education and going to university and college, only the best of the best even make it in university. 
If you even make B's or C's, you, you can't even go there. And here's a young man that went to university and got a degree. Could have made much, much more money. He talked about his colleagues and how they've went on to other jobs and making a lot of money. And this brother has chosen to be a full-time translator. He's just a young man. How old is he? 22, 23 years old. Just a young man in the message. Sold out to God. I say, God, give us more young men like that. That you and your place, you and your calling can say, I've heard the sound of freedom and it's changed my life. We're not going to be satisfied with any second-handed experiences. There's going to be some young men and young ladies that grab a hold of this message and they get a real revelation of it. I believe that with all my heart. We've heard the sound of new births. We've heard the sounds of people being born again. Even as we went there, Brother Michael, after our camp, and there was four baptized at our camp. I was looking at their names again in the back room before coming here. And I was thinking of them. Brother Jed, Akello, Brother Gabriel, Brother Maxim, Avananko, and Sister Milana. I think she's here tonight, actually. And I was thinking of these four young people that were baptized. I've, I've seen them since. Even Brother Maxim Ivananko, he's a 16-year-old young man. I, I noticed it right after camp when we visited there. He's a changed young man. And last Friday we were there, and last Sunday we were there, and to have Maxim and, and now his brother, his little brother Daniel, I think I mentioned this to you, gave a testimony after camp of God moving in his life. This is the sound of freedom. And when it echoes through our families, we need to grab a hold of that. God has his hand upon your family. God has his hand upon your life. I'm looking, yes, Brother Nathaniel, I see you. Just when I was, I was preparing for this in Africa, and when the sound of freedom and the sound of silence was coming through my heart, I looked back over some notes of some years ago, and it came back, Brother Nathaniel, to little Seth, your son, and to his heart problem that he had. Is, he's one years old, and we go into the White Rock Hospital there, and they show that he has a heart problem. He needs an operation. I was thinking of him, how he's now, I think, in second grade now. Is it second grade coming? How there was a sound of freedom that echoed through his heart and gave him a new heart. And that's naturally. We could talk about a lot of miracles, even from our trip and people that are healed or delivered from cancer or TB. But I'm more concerned with the sound of men and women being born again, accepting salvation, being baptized, having victories, God giving them revelation. In these meetings as we travel, as Brother Tom will tell you and Brother Tim, it's not silent services. When you speak the word and the people are hungry and the people are thirsty, they, they walk for hours and hours to get there. And then they walk for hours and hours home from a meeting after it's over in the dark. It's a very uh, concern for the pastors and the safety of their people. But to see these young people and people responding to the sound of the word is the greatest elation for a believer is for their own selves to have a personal revelation. To see them cry out in the spirit. 
And to accept Christ is the greatest thrill. The Lord had laid it on our hearts to speak, and I, I'm aware of our time, but the Lord had laid it on our heart to speak on welcome to the birthing room on the Saturday morning, and we took that illustration of the birthing room, and we described the doctors and the nurses and the, and the, and the people that are elder that are, have been in the room. They've been there before, but they're just there, and the mother's there, the father's there. But as it all begins to come, and the expectation has looked forward to this day, and the groaning, and the cries... This is why we're here. This is the purpose. And you can't hold your silence no more. But there's a sound. There's a groan. There's a travail. And it's all focused right down on this main event. There's a birth. Something's happening here. It's a birthday. And to see the young people, I think it was 98%, if not 100% of the young people respond to the word and to literally have them groaning and crying out, forgetting about everyone else in the spirit. That's a great, great sound of freedom. It's happened in our own camp this past uh, camp so sovereignly as it wasn't just a, a lot of emotion, but it was the word echoing through the heart of the camp. That drew hearts. That It doesn't have to just be all of an emotional thing as Brother Michael spoke about. But it's something that's lasting. Something that is real. Something that's down to our souls. To see people thanking God as Brother Branham described under this seventh seal in the tent vision. People coming in on crutches and on beds and crippled and coming out the other side healed. Thanking God. You can see it on their countenance. It's the sound of freedom. I felt to say this again to you. Don't let camp go by. Summer goes by and we get back into another school year. It's time to break that cycle of just letting family devotion slip and times with your spouse slip away. This is the time to set a pattern in the word of God. It's the sound of freedom. Don't let it just be from the pulpit, but let it be in our homes. I hear the sound of the Holy Ghost echoing through our hearts. The sound of edifying. I hear the sound of encouragement. Now I'm going back to before our trip. This was coming into our heart by inspiration on the sound of freedom. I'm so glad, friends. Some of you know what it was like to be in bondage and to be under the bars. As our brother Murphy spoke on, on Sunday morning, to be behind bars, but to have a word go out there, you are free. Come out of that cell. Come out of that denominations. Come out of that deadness. But don't put it back there. We have a new generation that needs to have bars broken. Chains broken. Walls coming down. You believe that? I hear the sound of preaching. The sound of God admonishing us. Giving us leadership. Giving us correction. The sound of hearts being softened. That are away from God. Lord, let the watchmen up on the walls don't hold their peace, but speak out these sounds of freedom because our families so need it at this time. I hear a sound of coming back to God, of people being positioned now, 
Not just coming to an altar. Not just being baptized. Not just giving their heart to the Lord, but being placed. Being positioned. Knowing that God spoke to them. Not just the preacher, but God spoke to them. Do you agree tonight? I hear the sound of leadership individually happening. There's a bride that's rising up. Here in Cloverdale, there's a bride rising up. But you go to Ethiopia, Brother Tim, and when I was right on the platform and I'm observing Brother Buss and the whole new associate pastor and deacons and trustees, just in a little church of 30 or 40, you begin to recognize this is the book of Acts. I felt like I was right there again. It's happening right in front of us. God is giving the sound of jubilee and peace. To us. Even last Saturday, September 1st, when Brother Bradham spoke token and desperation, 1963, you remember September 1st, 1963, he said that was the message to follow the seven seals, the token. The token must be applied. And to a father of any message home, that's the sound of freedom. To a mother, any godly mother, it's the sound of freedom. You know, while we were away, there were certain times we'd write down a sermon and put home, Cloverdale. That's a message for home. We put down names of people within our own church. That's the Holy Ghost. That even though you can be across the miles, I know it happens to these brothers. God will lay somebody on your heart. That's the Holy Ghost. That is the voice of the watchman. Not day nor night, but it's always the concern for the sheep. It's the voice of the Holy Spirit putting on the dress wear so that we're not found naked. The world would want us to all be silent and hush, hush, hush. There's a time to be still and know that he is God. Then there's a time to speak and go forward. Hallelujah. One of the sermons I'd like to speak on is about broken families being reconciled and marriages being restored. These token promises, not just hearing them, but having them confirmed. I was looking at it today, and it's such an amazing thing when Brother Branham talked about unbroken families. And we see it even now, more and more and more, Satan's wanting to divide and break and conquer and divide. And right in the middle of that, Brother Branham screamed out, may there be unbroken families. And it gives the bride of Christ that strength and inspiration to stand up on your feet out of your lethargy, out of your doldrums or out of your lukewarmness and say, God, Satan will not break our family. It's talking about the family of God. God's family will not be broken. Maybe that'll be the next message, the Lord willing, or one in the future. But God's family will not be broken. Every single believer that he elected will be there. It's not up to us. It's up to him. But he's working through the body. And he's screaming out a sound of freedom. Let's stand to our feet tonight. God bless you. I thought of how we could have four of our own young people baptized at camp and to go across the oceans, have four young people baptized. God's working. God's moving. The body's working together. That's what I saw, brothers. I saw it at our camp. And this was what was going through my heart as I woke up that morning on the sound of freedom. 
whether it's the kitchen staff, whether it's the counselors, whether it's the little children, or whether it's the older ones, whether it's the ministry, or whether it's somebody just taking out the garbage. There's a body that's working together. The body's coming together. And when the sound of freedom comes in, doubts, they leave. Unbelief leaves. Hallelujah. I hear the sound of correct decisions being made. God vindicating his word. That's what I hear. Is this okay tonight? I'm just, we're just coming back home. This is some of the things on the surface. I hear the sound of sheep feeding. Lambs feeding. You're growing. You're going on with God. Uh, you say a lot's, things can grow and people can grow and it seems like silence. But in the silence is a thunderous sound. God's marching on in a people. I'm just so thankful. I hear the sound of the weak saying, I am strong. Maybe somebody tonight come to church weak. You can hear that sound come through your heart. You are strong. I hear the faint saying, I am renewed. I hear the poor saying, I am rich. Brothers and sisters, we've just been with people that make $30 a month maybe. A school teacher makes $30 a month in Malawi. A brother, a common brother might make $40 a month. An engineer might make $50 a month. But I heard the poor saying, I am rich. God gave us a message. And they weren't frowning and they weren't sad. They were rejoicing. They were happy. They, you say, oh, Brother John, you and Brother Tom, Brother Tim, everybody comes back. You're like this. Well, I pray God would put something in all of us. <laughs> put something in all of us. We all can't travel, but some of us can go. I pray when we come back home, there would be an inspiration. We're not preaching down to nobody. It's God strengthen us with the sound of freedom. Hallelujah, Jesus. As we bow our heads, you can play something, Brother Benjamin. God bless you, brother. Hallelujah. Maybe tonight, as we've heard these things, we're thinking about your own life, or maybe your family or a loved one. Maybe as we start another school year and the calendar keeps turning, we can thank God. Some might even be questioning or wondering, what is all this noise? What is all this? And you can get lost in the schedule, lost in the times, and lost maybe in your failures. But there's something that echoes from the Word of God. We're no more slaves. We're no longer under Satan's dictatorship. We're not being controlled and bound by Satan. We're no more shackled. We're free people. Thank you, Jesus. Wonder if we can just end this service before we go out. It's with a thanksgiving and praises to God. What he's done for our children. What he's done for our young people. What he's done for our single mothers, our fathers. That we can stand arm in arm and say we will not compromise. We can go through the good times. We can go through the bad times. And there's still something in our hearts, a perseverance, a faith, a reaching forward. 
Maybe a soldier's lost some of that tonight and the Holy Spirit's wanting to be like that orca mother that's wanting to push you to the surface and push you to the top. Maybe you're losing strength. Maybe you've lost some strength pushing what you felt like was dead weight. Holy Spirit's trying to give you an encouragement and admonishment tonight. Nothing shall be lost. Everything's under his control. Maybe it's a daughter. Maybe it's a son. Maybe it's a mother, a father. Someone in the church that's been wayward. And God gives you a burden, gives you an inspiration. You stay right with that inspiration. You stay right with that pulsation. Don't you lose hope, brother. Sister, don't throw it all in and say, I don't see any results. You stay like Abraham. Stay like Sarah there, even if you've laughed and maybe joked a little bit about it and there's just a little chuckle in your heart, but you know spiritually there's got to be a greater change and you're burdened about that. Let that desperation love bringing you into that token promise where you can say, oh God, I've heard those sermons. I've heard your word. I've heard the sound of freedom. But let it be manifested in my life, Lord. Heavenly Father, we thank you for thus saith the Lord. We thank you for the scriptures. We thank you, Lord, for the time of silence. But we thank you for the inspiration as Joshua cried out, shout. That there's a time to give out that revelation. Give out that word of God. And to see the walls of Jericho come crashing down in our lives. And to see Rahab and all of her family. Maybe standing there under that little window and that scarlet cord. Maybe they're shaking nervously. Maybe weeping, not knowing or understanding all about the message. But as the walls begin to crash around them, there must have been a feeling well up inside of their hearts. Thank God for the message. Thank God for the word that came by our way. So personable. My mind is going back to counselors, dessert makers, kitchen staff, brothers that gave of their vacations. As I heard yesterday, brother had two weeks of vacation. They said one is for camp. And they're able to give, take one week away. And I thought, God bless that family. And I see one after the other, after the other of their family, surrendering to God and coming to their place in the assembly. I say, our God will be debtor to no man. There's no family that have given up houses, lands, or anything in this life, but we'll see it in this life and in the life to come. Family and mothers and fathers and brothers and sisters that we dearly cherish. And to see young men raising up, to see young ladies raising up, to see older ones having confidence now and passing the baton, and having the courage to say, run the race, you can make it, gives us such a strength tonight as we look out upon one another's faces 
in this demoralized generation and Sodom and Gomorrah spirit to see the glow of God and the glory of God and the faces of your people gives you strength God and now we can go back to our homes something's been added to our lives we can give a witness to our children I pray this year would be a great year for our assembly a maturity, a depth that we've never even experienced or known. We can talk about it. We can sing about it. We can hear great sermons about it. But when it comes down personal and we begin to see it outflowing to one another, what a source of satisfaction it is. Lord, I pray that you'd bless our ministers, Lord, Brother Tim Dodd and Brother Murphy Wong that's traveling out to Boston, to these other places other decisions that are being made for India, China, Europe, Lord. Things that happen daily that we can't even speak about hardly contacts and people desiring baptisms and families that are being restored. I pray, God, you would continue to work amongst our children, our families, our assembly would be strengthened and edified tonight. Even our pastor and his wife, as we prayed for them today, Lord, continue to strengthen one another. As we go tonight, Jesus, may the sound of freedom echo in our cars, in our vehicles. So we walk down this journey in our classrooms, in our tests, in our jobs. Let there be strength, supernatural strength. Oh, Father, may there be a restoration and a healing. In Jesus' name we pray. We thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. We wave our hands and thank you, God, in victory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. What song are you playing, brother? Give thanks with a grateful heart. Before we go tonight, Holy One.
Heavenly Father, Lord, we want to thank you tonight, Jesus. Remember, we have two services this Sunday. We'll look forward to seeing you. God bless you. Shake hands with one another. You're dismissed. Mm -hmm.